Hey everyone, welcome to the Football A to Z podcast with your host, Zandrick Ellison. Thanks for joining us. And our exercise here on this podcast is to try to dig deep in the NFL and try to figure out some answers, but I don't know, that that seems tougher than ever these days. It's really hard to figure out week-to-week results, especially after this weekend, after week three kind of threw us for a loop. And more than anything, it's hard to figure out who are the elite teams, Who are the teams that are actually going to win the title at the end of the year? And coming into the season, there was probably a group of six, seven teams that you could look at as those likely contenders. And so far, most of them haven't delivered, maybe with the exception of the Rams. Um, I'm just looking back at the teams that I ranked high on my power rankings. Here's a little sample. Chargers, one and two. Falcons, one and two. Patriots, one and two. Minnesota Vikings, 1-1-1. One, one, and one. and then the fifth team I had was Pittsburgh Steelers. They're right now, they're 0-1-1. One, one. They're playing tonight. I haven't recorded um, past that. So of those five teams, none have winning records. And in most cases with them, they have excuses. I mean, I've ranked the Chargers absurdly high, but... You know, if they had Joey Bosa this whole time, who knows? Atlanta Falcons have been without like half their defensive starters. And Pittsburgh's been without Le'Veon Bell. So you could kind of understand a little bit why those teams might be struggling. But the two exceptions that really jump to mind are New England and Minnesota. Like by all accounts, these were supposed to be two of the best teams in the NFL. And they really stumbled so far, especially this last weekend highlighted by Minnesota's just shocking loss to Buffalo Bills. So on this episode of the podcast, I wanted to figure out why, figure out if it's for real, are we overreacting to the panic? Is there actual reasons for concern? Um, Maybe a little bit of both. So we're going to talk to fans and dig deep who watched all the games. Let's see every snap, see what they think, and let's get into it. So we're at week three, and this is the time that smart fans know not to overreact, not to take anything too seriously. Clearly, the NFL season is just sort of an up and down. But when it comes to the Patriots, that's not possible. Fans really can't react appropriately. We have to overreact. We have to judge every Tom Brady facial expression, and and non-Pats fans have to take glee with every loss. Um... But we're going to try to figure out if it's time to celebrate or not for non-Pats fans, if it's Pats fans, time to panic or not, with resident Pats fan and expert, Alpha. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks, guys. So you're coming on bravely after a bad Sunday night loss. How are you coping this morning? Just general level of panic, 1 to 10. Where are you at right now? Um, I'm like a three right now. I'll, I'll give you a little background on myself, uh, history of my Pats fandom. I've been, uh, uh, on the bandwagon since 2001 when I saw them win the, the first Super Bowl, uh, way back when in middle school. And, um, I can, I have a pretty good memory of the game, uh, the history of this team going back through the Brady and Belichick era. Um, I, I can think back to many different times when they were in worse situations with worse teams and turned it around. So I'm, I'm like probably like a three right now. I think that they'll, they got some good pieces coming back. They're missing a lot of starters last night. Um, I think that it's at the end of the day, it's a non-divisional non-conference opponent on the road. 
it's going to happen sometimes. Yeah. And, and to your point, you know, it tends to be those, it seems like Andy Reed's always involved in that early shocker, the sucker punch of the mouth. Um, last, last week it was last year was week one that you guys got thrashed and certainly turned the, the ship around. It's sort of a feeling out period. So let, let's dig in a little deeper. So week one, smooth sailing, handle your business against the Titans. I mean, the Texans, my bad. And then week two, at Jacksonville, everyone kind of chalks it up. Bad performance as Jags are amazing. Great defense. Understandable road loss. And coming into this week, I think everyone expected the Patriots to go on the road and win easily against a struggling Detroit team. Um, lost badly, 26 to 10. So that's really why I wanted to check in with Pats fans. Because this is the first time you could reasonably say, is the spidey sense up? Is, is this time to worry if not panic and and going into last night what were your expectations did you expect to win easily i expected them to get the win um but we gotta give a lot of credit to matt patricia i mean his, his team was struggling those first two weeks and he this is this is his game to kind of prove his the signing um so i'm sure he got those guys up and were ready to go um he knew all the the weaknesses on the defense and uh certainly you know for the offense as well you know they've been he's been going against josh mcdaniels for a half decade. So I, you know, I fully expect it to be a good game, but um, tell you what, going to the third quarter when it was 10, 13, uh, right after the Stafford pick, I fully expected the defense to get a stop and go down the field and score. And uh, there's a, there a third and 13 play, I believe after the wise sack, um, Matt Stafford converted that third down and they basically just went right down the field after that. And that was the ball game. So. Well, and to your point, like it's just be kind of expected. I actually last night bet, uh, I thought it'd be a close game too. I, I thought the line was a little high. So I bet Detroit first half plus four. Cause it seems like every game, whether it's Super Bowl or not, like Patriots keep it close and then, and then pull out these close ones at the end. It just didn't quite happen last night. And I think to your point, Matt Patricia gives a lot of credit. Brady certainly looked a little off balance, um, probably more so than he's been all year. Did you, do you chalk that up to defensive scheme to Brady's possible decline, he's 41, or the most potential obvious weakness of this team, the, the receivers really weren't getting a lot of separation. I think, I think it's a little bit of scheme and a little bit of the receivers. I mean, they, this team used to run tons of screen plays and misdirections and things like that, and they, they weren't going to that for some reason. They haven't been this year, and I, I think it might be a little bit of personnel. Um, but any questions about Brady's talent? I mean, I, I'm going to sound like a homer here, but he launched that ball in the fourth quarter and got the, uh, the, um, intentional grounding call. And I mean, that ball was in the air for 55 yards. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. the guy's still got an arm and he's still got the, the mindset. I think that it's getting everybody on the same page. Um, he's going to have his security blanket back in a couple weeks with, with Edelman. He's going to hopefully get Josh Gordon involved uh gronk's going to continue to improve the better you know the running backs are continuing to improve so it's it's a feeling out phase right now for the team um and and we saw it when I mean, we see this every year even when they're winning i mean i'm thinking back to like the 2013 season which was very similar we had a lot of new weapons they started the season either five and oh or six and oh and they were all close games they were all you know scoring 20 points a game but the defense was a little bit better and so now this year you know the defense isn't holding up their end of the deal and the offense can't can't be put in a position to win at the end of the game. So, well, and you're right to point out that help help is on the way with Edelman yeah. and Gordon because I think right now that that's the thing that 
if you were an alarmist, that is something that's a credible problem right now is the receiving core. Traded away Brandon Cooks. I'm looking at the stats right now. Dorsett has 19 targets for 110 yards. Hogan, surprisingly, on the year, 14 targets, only 84 yards. Corderell Patterson, you know, I don't think he's a real receiver, it turns out. I mean, I think, you know, we've been proven that time and time again. And the help is needed there. And how much do you expect Edelman to hit the ground running? And when can you expect Josh Gordon to be a difference maker? He hasn't really been one for a few years. Well, I think you got to look at the, you don't want to have all the receivers playing the same position. So we got some guys out of position. So if you say that uh, Josh Gordon, let's say, fills the Brandon Cooks role, and then Hogan goes back to the number two kind of stretch receiver, kind of a bigger body receiver, Philip Dorsett can then be kind of your intermediate guy, your intermediate route guy. And then Edelman becomes your third down and, and short crossing route guy. And so Edelman just has to do better than Danny Amendola did last year. And Amendola only had a few hundred yards. Um, but the point was that he got those yards on third down. So if you get those guys back into their right positions, because we got to think two years ago, Hogan was a beast as that second receiver. He led the league or was number two in the league in uh, yards per reception. So he plays well as that kind of intermediate route, you know, running down the field, running a post route. He's not too good in the slot. And right now they're asking him to do stuff that he's not capable of doing. He's not that kind of player. So I think once everybody's kind of back to their regular position, and playing where they're supposed to, I think the offense will open up quite a bit. And in terms of Edelman, he's over 30 now, coming off injury and I think a PED suspension. I, I, I haven't really heard much about him. He's kind of been a forgotten man um, in the in the press, the national press. Have you been hearing anything like he's ready and looks good to go? It's just a matter of getting eligible? Yeah, as, as far as I know, he, he looked fine in the preseason. Um, you know, kind of a typical preseason, what we expect for him. He's all reports that I've been reading are that he's practicing and, and getting ready to get up to speed. Um, but like I said, I don't, I don't expect him to have a 800 yard thousand yard season. He just needs to be Danny Amendola was last year. He just needs to get a couple fourth down catches or third down catches convert on the big plays, be, be Brady's uh, security blanket. He doesn't have to go off and score a whole bunch of touchdowns. And, and that's really, that's what makes him a. That's what made Danny Amendola such a good player. It wasn't it wasn't the volume stats? It was the clutch stats, and that's what we need. Is just that guy that can be the heart and soul of the team, get everybody all riled up, and uh, and convert when we need them. Well, and I think to your point, like the passing game should should be fine if it's not already. You know, Brady's ninety four quarterback rating right now. It's not the end of the world, and, <laughs> and it should improve from here. Well, what about the running game? Sony Michelle came out kind of supposed to be his coming out party. 14 carries for 50 yards, didn't really get involved in the pass game. How did you think he looked? I, I, I don't put a lot of blame. I mean, he's, he's a rookie running back, so he's got to go through his growing pains. But I put a lot more on the offensive line. They're, they're still learning to gel. We've, got a, we've still got a new left tackle who's figuring out his role, who had a big holding call last night. Cannon's still coming back from injury. Uh, and then the interior guys are, you know, they, they've had their ups and downs, but Shaq Mason should, be, should round out into a top three or four guard in the league. He's getting paid like one, and he, he played like it last year. So I think those guys, it's the, that's the biggest part of this team, is it takes four or five weeks for those guys to gel. And if we go back to, let's say, that 2014, we're on the Cincinnati game, the Kansas City rushed the, the you know, destroyed the offensive line. And it wasn't until the Cincinnati game when they kind of got everything together. So I fully expect that once the offensive line kind of solidifies and really starts rolling, we'll see the run game start to pick back up again. I don't expect them to be a running team though. Like you said, it's going to be a passing pass first team, but that complimentary run will be good to have.
Well, and I wonder, I don't know if this narrative has been brought up, but I, I liken the Patriots offseason moves to a little bit of the Saints from the year before. The Saints had Brandon Cooks and then shed him, surprise move. And they really focus more on trying to build the running game as a way, I think, to keep their defense fresh as well. And they did that really effectively last year, just kind of pounding the ball and using their running backs like Alvin Kamara in the past game. And so when the Patriots almost did the exact same thing this offseason, traded Brandon Cooks, the same receiver, drafted their sort of version of Alvin Kamara in Sony Michelle, added offensive lineman Isaiah Wynn, who's not with the team right now, he's injured. I expected them to kind of lean a little bit more on the run to try to balance it out. But so far, it seems like it's standard pats wouldn't you say yeah uh and and to go with that analogy even further uh the the saints also drafted a top corner with one of their first picks and the pats took duke dawson with their second round picks so they really did copy the saints from two years ago and and that's kind of what i expected going into the season um going into the preseason we had a stable of running backs and we seemed to have more than we knew what to do with and then gillisley gets cut and ironically goes to the saints kill tears acl week one and now we're suddenly thin, and Burkhead gets a concussion. Next thing you know, we're thin at running back. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I expected that with the new um, passing rules, because uh, we thought the crown of the helmet thing was going to be a, a big thing. I thought with smaller linebackers kind of moving up in the league, Belichick was looking at it going, we're just going to have a power running game, and we're not going to lean on our 41-year-old quarterback. But it seems that that's maybe not the case, and they maybe need to go back to – the older style. And I think that can fully explain some of the game planning where you'll see run, run pass, um, you know, from, from the, the play calling standpoint. So I think that they're going to have to change some gears there, but you know, once kind of the, all the weapons get back in place in the next two weeks here, we'll see more of a spread offense, kind of more of a traditional Patriot spread offense. Well, it's always the manner with the saints. I think they largely did it because their defense had been getting shredded up until last year. Patriots, you know, I think you have more talent on that side. Um, but I do think it's important to establish some sort of balance. Like the Saints this year, without Mark Ingram for the first few games, you know, they've been going pass, pass, pass. Feels very similar to 2016 for them, and their mm-hmm. defense is getting lit up again. So I, I would like to see the Pats do it. But to your point, like Sony Michelle was considered sort of this complementary one of two guys, one of three guys. Um, he wasn't the workhorse at Georgia either. Do you think he can be that now that you have a thin running back or do you want to see more of a rotation? Uh, I, I'm just so used to a rotation. Like we haven't seen kind of that bell cow running back since the uh, Corey Dillon days, you know, back in 2004, it's, it's always been kind of running back by committee for this team. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't want to put a lot of pressure on the, on the rookie. I think that he has a role. I think they're trying to integrate him to the offense to try to show that they, they trust him. Um, but he's got to eventually he's got to produce. And um, yeah. I think, and Rex Burkhead. yeah. And Rex Burkhead keeps getting injured. So he's on my fantasy team. So I, I know that all too well. Every, every week I read how, how involved he's going to be. And then he doesn't seem to have the health to do it. I think he's a good runner though. I think he he is, yeah. good. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's, he surprises me how, how quick and agile he is, but the problem is he's got to stay healthy. Why, why is he surprising to you? Racist alpha. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. He, he doesn't seem like he's a quick shifty guy. No, I, I'm just kidding. Straight I'm just kidding. Runner. No, no. Yeah. He, he's surprisingly elusive. I mean, last year, go back and watch the Super Bowl. Deion Lewis didn't play because we had Rex Burkhead and Rex Burkhead could do the Deion Lewis role, which is why we could let him go for, for, um, 
four million dollars. We didn't have to sign him four million dollars. We had Rex Burkhead on the cheap, and so. No, yeah. I think he's. I think he's really good, and and honestly, I, I do think it comes down to race a little bit in regards to why he's underrated. Oh um, yeah, especially around the league, why he might get him for the cheap because he he contributes in all three facets. Good special teams player, um, and every time you watch him, like why isn't this guy being used more by the Bengals or by the Patriots? I think he has that in the tank. Yeah, and I like and I like that both him and Michelle they could be three down guys. So they don't necessarily need to get 20 carries a game, but if you just rotate them, you know, keeps the defense guessing a little bit. You don't have that sort of run guy, pass guy. Well, that's the reason why they let go of LeGarrette Blunt and, and uh, Mike Gillisley, because you knew that when they were on the field, it was a run. And when they were off the field, it was to be something else. So no, absolutely. And, I, and yeah. I'm glad that I'm, you know, the, the lions have Blunt and they, and they use him more than I'd like them to, but I, I think carry on Johnson for them showed his worth like hey having a guy who can do a little bit of everything makes them a little more balanced at the very least like if you see Legarrette Blunt in there you know you know what's coming so I'm glad the Patriots got away from that the Eagles did as well um so the offense I think in general sounds okay how do you feel about this defense coming off a mixed year last year it kind of got lit up in yardage you know the sort of bend don't break philosophy how do you think they're doing so far this year I think last year they got bailed out with a lot of timely turnovers, you know, the kind of when they needed one in the red zone, they'd get one. And I, I don't have the stats right in front of me, but they always seemed to get that pick or that fumble right when they needed to. And that was kind of the headline news on uh, Reddit NFL was, Oh, the refs gave another game to the Patriots. And it's because of some, you know, controversial turnover, whether it was the Steelers or the bills or the jets. I mean, I can think of many different examples where they, they got that good turnover, that timely turnover. And so last year, they kind of got bailed out by it. This year, we, we haven't quite seen that yet. Um, I think that they're, you know, last night, uh, Collinsworth said that they look patient. I think this looks slow. I think that they're, they yeah. really need to, to well, and, you know, and react I wonder more. About that. Yeah. If, if that's a, a philosoph- philosophical issue. I mean, looking at the team last year, I would wonder about their slow linebackers and whether – they didn't have much of an edge rush. They have good defensive linemen, but they're not, you know, that sort of Khalil Mack bend around the corner kind of guy, right? They had one sack last night as a team, four sacks on the year. Um, that, my perspective, that would be the biggest concern of the defense. What, what's your biggest concern? Uh, yeah, I think pressure. Well, sacks. Belichick's going to going to tell you the sacks the most overrated stat in football. It's pressures that you want to have. So. You know, as long as they're getting pressure on the quarterback, I don't, I don't mind too much if they're not getting home. But for me, it's that the, every time that the Texans wanted to run the ball, they got five yards. Jaguars wanted to run the ball, they got five yards. Last night, the Lions, no different. I think we got to stop the run first. And uh, it's, it's kind of ironic in a pass-first league. Um, we, you know, we're, we're focusing on stopping the run. But if the teams can run the ball at a five yards a clip, uh, that's just going to set up play action, and, and that's what causes a lot of problems. So I think they, they really do need to get stout with the run, start you know being a little more reactive or more more proactive instead of reactive to the offense and um, set the well, edge. It, it, yeah, it's always that eternal debate. Like, does Belichick as a coach help Belichick the GM or vice versa? I, it seems to me that the speed of the defense has been a problem for years. You've kind of gotten away with it. Um, do you think it's like a fundamental issue or is it just a personnel like need to get a little healthier and, and this defense will be back in the top 15? 
Well, I, I think part of it is health too. We were missing three stars last night. And so that, that does play a role. And if we go back to the Jaguars game, Trey Flowers is hurt on you the first or, first or second series. So again, that's kind of our main pass rusher. Chung goes out in the second or third quarter. So, you know, the, the defense was missing some starters the last two games. I think you get those guys back in there. Um, that'll, that'll definitely make a difference for communication and, and help there. But I mean, Belichick's got a, he's got a plan. He's got a, a mold that he wants to fill for each role and injuries sometimes derail that. I mean, well, and, it, and it's always hard to second guess because yeah. it's an unprecedented level of success for this team. Um, but there have been some big moves lately. I want to play a quick little game. You get a mulligan on one of these moves. Okay. That one of the big moves the Patriots have made, you get to reverse time, go back in time, HG well style and tell me which one you want to take back. If any, okay. um, first one, the Garoppolo trade. Do, he got hurt. I mean, he just tore his ACL. He's out for the year. He looked okay before that. He wasn't lighting the world on fire. Do you think they should have held on to Garoppolo? Um, we couldn't afford him, so no. That would have put the team in cap hell this year. So we no, I wouldn't have reversed I, that trade. I agree. Um, what about trading? I think another one you might say the same thing. Jamie Collins. Remember, that was a big deal. He was a star at the time, traded to the Browns. Do you... Do you regret that? He's a faster linebacker. Um, again, it was it came down to price, but we ended up winning the Super Bowl without him. So uh, he he freelanced a lot. I can think back to the the 2015 Broncos AFC Championship game. Two touchdowns were scored in that game to running backs. Jamie Collins was in coverage on both of those. So um, I wasn't. He hasn't done anything since he's been gone. So uh, no, no, I, I agree. I, I thought he was, I thought he was a little overrated. Um, the big one, this one's more of a debate. Chandler Jones, I think, had about 15 sacks last year for Arizona. Do you do you regret not paying him? That would have come with a big salary as well. So here's here's what Chandler Chandler Jones is the exact reason why the Patriots ended up winning the Super Bowl in 2015. And here's why. Because we trade him and we turn the pick that we get into Joe Tooney and Malcolm Mitchell, both who contributed. The cap space that freed up allowed us to get Chris Long, Mal, um, uh, Bennett and um, one other free oh Chris Hogan so that one player turned into five really good players that all contributed to that team so as much as he would be right to be on the team right now that trade led to the reason why we won the Super Bowl in 2006 well, I, I, I might disagree on Malcolm Mitchell I'll quibble with that but you did get to bring in Gilmore too I think it was just sort of a philosophical yeah no well the Malcolm Mitchell one it's if you look at just that one year he had a, a great stretch and he really got the, the offense going when they were down uh, 28 to three in the Super Bowl. He, he completes like four passes and Brady completes four passes and brought a Mitchell and really gets the offense going. So as much as I'd love to have him on the field now, I, I take that trade uh, every day and twice on Sunday, you know, a, a one year of a receiver to get a Super Bowl. Yeah, I would do it. So, and last one so far, you're, you're three for three in defending Belichick. Last one, Brandon cooks missing that speed on the field. He's a little guy though. I mean, I don't know if he would have, helped um in the run game but do you miss him do you think that was a mistake or do you looking forward to getting josh Gordon on the field well i i definitely think that uh brandon cooks is interesting because he had a thousand over a thousand yards last year and i think after every single game pats fans went and said why did we why did we trade for this guy you know he kind of there was kind of a, a disagreement amongst you know what do, what do we do with this guy um, I think he's really good at drawing pass interferences, but he didn't, 
uh, it, it pains me to say it cause he was a great player last year, but he didn't have that, um, just that jump off the field. Wow. You know, he, it, and it's really weird to say that cause he had a thousand yards, but, um, I think that they had a, they got good value. They got the Isaiah win pick out of it and they saved the money that they were gonna have to spend for him in the, the long term. So, um, I, I know it sounds like I'm defending Belichick, but I understand each one of those moves. Um, well, you can't, you can't argue with the results. I mean, yeah. look, it's a history of the Patriots, you know, Dion Branch or whoever, losing guys that are stars, Logan yep. Mankins. And uh, sometimes they're stars because they're on the Patriots and they're big names as a result. I think Jamie Collins was probably would not be a superstar name if he had been on the Browns all these years. Um, and I think it's just a philosophical belief. Hey, you have a superstar quarterback, coach up some young pieces and, and you're going to be a winner. Um now, let's talk about that. Expectations now. One and two. This week's game versus Miami is going to be huge. Miami's jumped out to a 3-0 and record, surprisingly so. And this game might be huge. If Miami wins, they're going to have a three-game edge on the Patriots. What are your expectations for this week playing at home against the Dolphins? Well, my, my first thing I'm going to say is I gotta, we got to put some context into the league here, too, about because we're going to look ahead to playoffs the league is completely upside down right now. I mean, the Vikings yeah. get blown out as seven point, 17 point favorites. The Packers are uh, one Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, amazing comeback from being 0 and three uh, and a missed field goal from being 0 and three. The Browns could have been three and 0. The Steelers tonight might be, might even, you know, lose their, <laughs> lose out of the playoffs completely if they lose tonight. So the NFL is just completely topsy turvy. The Dolphins to me haven't, they, they've won three games. But who have they beaten? You know, they beat the Titans on a, a really wacky uh, hurricane-induced game that, or um, not hurricane, a thunderstorm-induced game that lasted for seven hours. They they uh, beat the Raiders, who can't seem to do anything in the fourth quarter. And I'm um, forgetting who they played last week. Um, it wasn't great. I think it was the Jets. The Je- yeah, that's right, the Jets. Yeah, so the Dolphins are going to be that team that's going to have a good record by virtue of a, of a weak schedule, I think. I think they're going to beat up on all the teams they're supposed to beat. Uh, to, this week will be a test. If they stand pat and, and beat the Patriots at home, then yeah, they absolutely deserve to to win the AFC. But I think until they, you know, until they kind of prove it, they're going to be in my mind that team that just gets into playoffs with you know a ten and ten and six, eleven and five record, and then loses to whoever the wild card team, what, um, whoever the the higher seed okay. is. I mean, there there sniffs of Buffalo last year who got in. Yep. off a weak division and we're a weak team. I think Miami's better than Buffalo was last year. Oh, yeah, I think so, too, yeah. Winning team. Uh, but this is it. This is their big test. Like, the, you is. know, the bully's bloody nose. Like, can you finish him off? I, I, I think this is their best chance in years to to take a grasp on the division. Um, I think – do you know the line? I think it opened Patriots like nine or something. Nine and a half, yeah. Patriots nine and a half. So that's wow. just Vegas trying to make money though because they 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 got they they lost a lot of money this week. So I, I'm, I'm stunned by that line. That line's way yeah. too high. I think the Patriots should be favored by you know four or five maybe. Um, so your expectations for this year, one and two right now, what do you think the final record is going to be in the regular season? If I were to just go through their schedule and kind of, uh, you know, just a typical win, win, loss, win, you know, however you think, uh, I think they're going to struggle against the Chiefs. That could be a, a, a give or take game. I think the Vikings uh, at home later in the season could be a tough game. And then uh, we got the Packers and Steelers in there too. That could be, those both could be tough games. So right now they've, they've got two losses. I could see them going 11 and 5, 12 and 4. Um, that's kind of my optimistic, but 
you know, if they, they end up going like 10 and six, you know, the kind of worst case scenario, I still think they're going to get into the playoffs just by virtue of the chaos that is the AFC. I mean, the AFC North still has to play all of the, they have to play each other. They're, you know, the round Robin, and then they got to go and play the NFC South and the AFC West. So they're going to beat up on each other. Um, the AFC South is, is who knows with Jacksonville and, you know, and the Colts and the Texans and Titans all beating each other up. So, I mean, we're going to, it's going to come down to the last week of the season, I think. And, you know, you could have a team with a first place, first round by with, uh, you know, an 11, five record, 12 and four record. There's no reason why the Patriots can be right there too. So. No, I agree. And I don't think you're being a homer in that regard or a bandwagon fan is, you know, they have three games at home in a row. You win three in a row, which is very doable. And suddenly everyone's forgetting the slow start. Right. Um, I do think come playoff time, it'll be interesting to see. I think there are some fundamental concerns uh, in terms of the edge rush and et cetera, um, how you guys might measure up with the elite playoff teams. But as you said, right now, I don't know who those elite playoff teams well, are. You know, it would be Kansas City would be, you know, the yeah, team to be. But Kansas but... City, you know, their defense had been playing well. Well, here's, here's the thing with Kansas City is Pat Mahomes is on a, a tear right now. He just scored his 13th touchdown. He's, he's breaking all the records, right? There's going to be a regression to the mean. There has to be, right? Otherwise, he's going to be the greatest quarterback we've ever seen ever. You know, he's going he's gonna to blow Peyton Manning's record and Tom Brady's record and Aaron Rodgers' records all out of the water. And I don't see a second-year quarterback doing that. I think there will be a regression at some point um, with that team as good as they're playing right now. And unfortunately for them, that defense is pretty weak. So even yesterday when they were up by 14 points in the fourth quarter, Jimmy G is rolling down the field pre-ACL injury or suspect ACL injury. And it looked like the, the 49ers might actually come back and tie the game. And then the injury happens yeah, and the game's over. I definitely think the Chiefs, yeah, like, no lead like last safe. year, I thought the Chiefs had the talent to win the Super Bowl last year on offense, even with yep. Alex Smith. And it was yep. just the defense was weak and injured and – you can't you can't win consistently in the playoffs like that, or you know win three or four games. Um, I agree with you. I think the Patriots are going to be right there. It might be too early to look ahead there. Let's let's see about this week. Really exciting. One of the best early month games in terms of the division. First time the division games actually seem to matter. I'm excited about it. But um, thanks for coming on. You did a great job explaining why Patriots fans should not panic. Not that they would ever, but why national fans shouldn't you know count their chickens yet and, and patriots haters shouldn't you know start smirking you know wait yeah, another they, week at least they, they've been in this position you know many times uh, they've been they've been down with worse you know worse rosters before i mean the the 2006 roster the 2013 roster both of those kind of come to mind as kind of no-name talent or, or new faces on the team and both those teams went to the uh, AFC championship game and ironically lost to Peyton Manning both times, but the games were in the balance right up till the fourth quarter. Um, so they're, you know, they're <laughs> a bad season for the Patriots as an AFC championship loss the last few years. So yeah. I and I think the, only, there, so. the only thing I think would be a concern that would potentially knock you guys out of that sort of mix is Gronkowski getting injured or Edelman coming back as a shell of himself like you said that that does seem to be they seem to be missing that one little connective piece to make the offense totally click but you have to expect they'll get it together and if josh gordon offers anything that's a that's a cherry on the cake absolutely yeah yeah absolutely all right dude well thanks so much for coming on i appreciate it good luck this week big game we're all going to be watching this weekend yeah no problem all right dude take care thank you too
So by far the wackiest result in a wacky week three was the Minnesota Vikings, 16-point favorite, at home against the Bills, thought to be the worst team in the league, and they got run over. Bizarre. So to help try to figure this out, I needed to reach out to the Vikings fan, Viking Nation, Skull Nation, and try to find somebody who would explain this to us. Adam answered the call, the Viking call. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. It, what is I, mean, I haven't goal? got a lot to be proud about, so I might as well talk about it and be more angry. So, Well, I do this. I, I tend to, I, not by intentionally, but like I tend to talk to team, fans of teams that just lost. And and it's just kind of fun to, to talk about that turmoil, but it's probably not fun to talk about, right, in the day afterwards. Uh, it's not It's not too bad. I mean, it's like we know our team is better than that, but yeah, it, it's it's frustrating. <laughs> well, I certainly thought you were. I, at the beginning of this podcast, I talked about all the teams that I thought were sort of super teams, contenders. I had the Vikings, I think, third or fourth coming into this year. Probably as of last week, I would have said they were top three. Um, what were your expectations of this team and going into this week? Uh, this week, I mean, I don't think there's anybody who's a fan of football that wouldn't have picked the Vikings to win that game, but all of the most like diehard Vikings fans, we also know one thing and that's we have a very good knack for like completely shitting the bed when the spotlight's <laughs> on us. Like, So this was another shit the bed type game, but it, but it was almost more surprising than that. This is like shitting on like the office floor and your desk or something. Like how did this happen? And for somebody who didn't watch the game, explain to me how, maybe the best team in the NFL on paper loses to the worst team. <laughs> I'd make a lot more money than I do if I knew the answer to that one, I think, but um, I don't know. They didn't even show up is basically what it came down to, but like that, there's a million and one excuses I'm sure. But I know like today it's coming out that I don't know if you heard what happened with Everson Griffin. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of like updating right now as we're recording um, this Monday night, it's kind of trickling out, maybe cocaine problem, maybe mental health problems. What's the latest? Or... Yeah, I mean, I when something like that happens, like Everson Griffin is one of the big name players on our team, and he's obviously one of our leaders. So, like that that, that doesn't mean you you get skunked at home and you know against a garbage team, but that definitely affects people. So, forgive um, me for not knowing the details. Did he when did that incident happen? After the game. No, that was apparently over the weekend. Like, he didn't play at all, and they didn't really list why. Um, And there's a million and one different rumors and things that were going around on Reddit. Like, some guy claimed he saw him in the Boundary Waters that, like, this past weekend when he should have been, obviously, in Minneapolis for the game. But nobody knows. Again, uh, ignorant. What are the Boundary Waters? Um, It's like a big wildlife area in the far north of Minnesota, like up in the – if you look at a map of Minnesota, there's like the little top hat on the state. It's up okay. in that area. So it's like wilderness. It's not like a club or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's like canoeing and camping and all that kind okay. of stuff. Because I, I live in LA, it sounded like a hot new club, and it might border on the boundary. Oh yeah, I don't I don't know that there's anything I could possibly think of in LA to compare it to. <laughs> <laughs> so he missed the game, and you know, I was watching the game. I I didn't watch the whole game because I was kind of bouncing around. Um, I don't remember them mentioning that. Did they mention that on the broadcast? No, it was just, I remember being surprised, you know, before the game, you're kind of keeping an eye on who's active, who's inactive or whatever, all that kind of stuff. Um, 
And then just seeing that Everson Griffin's not playing. And I didn't think he got hurt or anything the week before. Like he might've gotten a little bit dinged up from something, but certainly nothing to keep him out of a game. And then, yeah, he wasn't there. And then today it all came out that, yeah, like you said earlier, it's either mental health or he's either on something or off something is basically what I'm looking at it as. Yeah. And we're not going to know the answer to that. Certainly not now as the news coming out, but I think your point of that would shake a team, especially to have your best defensive end missing and then also maybe people concerned about him yeah for sure the whole the defensive aspect i'm sure you know we would have probably picked up a sack or two for having him there but just his presence at, at pass rushing alone is a big deal i don't know that it would have kept 26 points off the board by any means but it, it definitely uh definitely hurts your team well looking at the stats it seems like the buffalo bills had a clear plan to just run the ball, I think, because they probably didn't think they were going to win. Um, and then I think maybe did Josh Allen's running ability catch the team by surprise, or is that just one of those <laughs> things where it's hard to stop a big guy like that? Uh, it caught Anthony Barr by surprise. We know that. <laughs> <laughs> I caught everyone. It was pretty impressive. I mean, for however big that dude is. Um, that was just – that was bananas when he did that. Like – there's a reason why a quarterback only does that once a game because you try that shit a second time, you're going to have a really bad day. Well, it's it's good for your first win, too. I mean, what a win for that kid. Um, but it's not like the defense, looking at the numbers, it didn't play that badly on paper. I mean, you guys, 38 carries for 128 yards, not a bad average. Chris Ivory, 20 carries for 56 yards. Um, yeah. Allowing him to get 70 in the receiving games is kind of a weird um, quirk that you shouldn't allow for a big yeah. runner, but I don't know. The, the silver lining is that we shut him out the second half, which doesn't mean shit when you're down 26 points, but like it's, I guess in a game where you lost by that bad, it's worth something that our defense stepped up in the second half, but I don't know when, when Kirk cousins coughs up the ball twice and then he gets strips. I think it was a strip sack the next time. And right. And I mean, it's, it, so you start the game off by shooting yourself in the foot three separate times. It's pretty hard to overcome that. Well, and I think that's the way that a team like the Bills, no disrespect to the Bills, that you know, it's a long rebuild. That's how they're kind of formulated to win games, is they want to take a lead early and kind of have the game flow favor them where they could be conservative and kind of grind out a win. I don't think Josh Allen could come back down 20. So it, it kind of fell into their lap in a way. Um, why couldn't Minnesota move the ball against a defense that many people don't think has much talent? Oh, because our offensive line has not much talent. Like our <laughs> offensive line is trash, man. Like even after last season as you know, Case Keenum was serviceable at quarterback, but all last season we said, yeah, the only thing we're missing is an offensive line. Right. And we go into the draft and Rick Spielman and um, uh, Mike Zimmer, they just, they, brought in was it three three defensive players and then a kicker in the fifth round and like we completely neglected to do anything on offensive line and now it's showing like well, i think elf line was finally in on sunday but we're still missing um i forget what the hell their names even are anymore but <laughs> well i think all of our offensive linemen who should be there are not well i think it was a little bit of fool's gold maybe last year because two years ago when Peterson got hurt, you guys had one of the worst running games in the NFL. And then last year you took a step up and everyone's like, okay, the team's loaded. 
really was still a below average running game statistically, certainly in the middle of the line wasn't strong. So like you said, maybe they thought they were stronger in that aspect than they were. Yeah. I mean, it's that portion of it falls on Zimmer because he had, (laughs) he has all the data on his end and he has all, you know, he, he can see every indicator of where the problems are and he obviously didn't address it. And granted this is, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking and all that, but sure. But when, when, every, when all of the fans are out there saying this is an obvious issue, like our offensive line is ass and you do nothing about it. And then now you go into a game like this and it's even more apparent. Like, well, I, think, I know that, that, that one's on Zimmer. I think maybe also the fool's gold and it's not fool's gold. Cause he's a, he's a very good player, but Dalvin cook was so effective early last year. Maybe they thought, He's so electric, he can carry that average over this year. Um, didn't play, you know, on Sunday. What is the prognosis? Is he just banged up? Is, a, is he coming back soon, or what's the deal? He seems, like, sorely missed. That's uh, – yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, it, it, apparently it's a hamstring cramps is what they reported last time. But if you follow the Vikings at all, like, Zimmer is so cryptic with everything with injuries. And, like, I'm sure there's some gamesmanship there, but – he never says anything real definitive about what's going on. He just said he's day to day or yep. He's banged up. Like he might play, he might not like that's the most you'll really ever get out of him. Well, and it certainly showed up the lacking Dalvin Cook, lacking a running game. You guys ran for on Sunday, six times for 21 yards. Latavius Murray should have been the bell cow, I guess, two carries one yard. And maybe that's a game flow issue, but I I think you'd agree that there are serious concerns in, in the line. Uh, yeah, unless we start bringing in offensive linemen, which we I don't even think we can afford to do, nor are there any serviceable ones out there anymore. So it's it's not it's a position that you theoretically could plug somebody in, but you're right. Like it's just supply and demand is not favoring us. Like ne- ne- yeah, next to a I would say like a franchise quarterback, like quality offensive linemen are probably the next hardest thing to come by. And I think a lot of teams have realized, especially offensive guards everyone needs one it's just it's just running games have been stuck and teams are trying to get some sort of balance now and adjust to the modern nfl and if you if you don't it's it's apparent the the weak interior lines are having trouble running the ball um so that's not going to change everything else on the team looks good what are your expectations now for the rest of the year and have you had to adjust them based on what you've seen so far uh yeah i mean definitely (laughs) With with as bad as our offensive line was against the Bills, if we go against, I mean, a, a Rams defense alone is a significant upgrade over the Bills. And I don't know, it seems like Kirk Cousins is pretty much worthless without a decent offensive line. Or I should say that without an offensive line who's giving him quality pass protection. Because that, that's interesting, you know, because we didn't really talk about too much about Kirk Cousins. Is there a little buyer's remorse there? Or you think it's just sort of circumstantial that he didn't have a good game? Uh, I mean, he was getting hurried. What did he get hurried like 15 times from the one side against uh, yeah. Pat, Pat Elfline? Like that dude's garbage, man. <laughs> <laughs> he got he got good press last year. Well, Cousins actually statistically has done okay. You know, on the year, 68 percent completion, 99 percent quarterback rating. He's been sacked yeah, but nine he's, times. But he, he's he's get, his completion rating though. That's coming from a lot of the same stuff we had with Keenum, where it's three yard checkdowns every step of the way. Like that's all we really, every completion he had on Sunday was essentially that aside from maybe three. 
Yeah, to your point, it felt like Adam Thielen had about 20 catches for 100 yards with the dinking and dunking. Um, do you think they just don't have time to throw, or is it the way the offense is designed? Um, no, I mean, our offense is designed for a decent passing game. It's just it, – it, I think it all comes down to our offensive line. And, like, you could tell Kirk Cousins was rattled even from the get-go. Like, after that first fumble, like, he wasn't the same quarterback we saw against the Packers, even in that right there. And I think it, it all just went downhill after that. Well, I was curious about the scheme, too, because you lost your offensive coordinator and you brought in John DeFilippo, who has a really good reputation as, like, the rising star, maybe the rising star offensive coordinator. Um, kind of mixed results so far. Do you think he's struggled to find his footing, or is it just a personnel issue? Uh, probably a little bit of both, I would imagine. But I don't know, like – there's been Browns fans that have come into the Minnesota Vikings subreddit and they've said that like there, there were reports from Cleveland or whatever, like that a lot of their players were actually really frustrated with his play calling style because they'd, you know, re- rely so heavily on a passing game at certain times that, you know, when you're doing pass protection all game, like that gets really tiresome. Well, it's interesting. And, I, and maybe I, I have contributed this too, because I, I was ranking the top like coaching candidates for next year and he was towards the top of the list just because you know not so much the resume the resume is limited but he just comes across in interviews as such a deep-voiced confident coach Um, but we really haven't seen it totally on the field yet this is his big chance he really needs to step it up it sounds like yeah I mean right now I don't think anybody's real crazy impressed with him Um, the Packers game was obviously like the play calling was, it was there. It was just, we kind of pulled that one out of our ass. Obviously there's a few calls that went our way and they, like the, the new stupid uh, sack rule or whatever yeah. that Clay, Clay Matthews has been the biggest victim of. Yeah. It's a, it's a Clay Matthews rule. They got to fix that and just name it after him. Um, but so it's not surprising that a new quarterback and a new offensive coordinator would take a little bit of adjustment. And at the end of the day, it's one, one and one. It's not the end of the world. But the Rams yeah, are that... coming up on Thursday. Do you think you do you, you don't feel great about it? But do you think it's a, a decent shot of winning, or are you kind of? I, I think. I mean, any game we're in, I think we have a chance of winning. Like I, I I'm not one of those people that, you know, well, I, I fully expect us to still win the NFC North and everything. But I maybe we don't have as good of a record as last year. But by all indicators, the Packers probably aren't going to have as good a record either because. You know, Aaron Aaron Rodgers is underperforming for Aaron Rodgers. That's obvious. Okay, everybody, that's our show for this week. I really want to thank everyone for listening. And thanks to our guests, Alpha and Adam, for coming on and offering their insight and their wisdom by watching the whole game. And also their measured response, I think, for both teams. It's not really time to panic I don't think either teams are worried about their playoff chances. It's just more about worried about these issues on the edges um, for New England, specifically the edge rush. And for Minnesota, the offensive line and the running game in general, um, those are kind of issues that might come back in playoff time when you start playing those elite teams and it's hard to have any weakness. But in general, I think both those teams should be okay going forward. I would expect both to get into the playoffs. It's just going to be a little bit harder of a fight than, than they expected, and that's for the benefit of all his fans. We, we get to watch some interesting regular season matchups. So thanks for listening. We'll look forward to that. Um, 
Vikings Rams great Thursday matchup for a change. That's some fun surprise. And we'll keep talking. Bye.